Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, 104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. It's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Say it every night. I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. I hope you recognize that you are as well. I hope this show finds you and yours doing exceedingly well. My DMs are always wide open at jmartzone to have a faith-based conversation. If not me, I hope you find somebody in your life that you trust to have that conversation with. Couldn't possibly be more important. I asked a question a few days ago on this program and as well on Fox Sports Radio last week. What is it that has you most interested entering the 100th NFL season? Well, what has you most interested entering this college football season? Now, I know a lot of you are going to say, well, what are the Vols going to do in year two with Jeremy Pruitt? And that does interest me as well. But I'm looking more on a national landscape and a national title landscape. And no offense, but Tennessee is not in that classification. The story, and I actually talked about this in January, mid-January, when it happened. But I want to kind of go back to it here. And that is Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts chose to go to Oklahoma. He's graduated from Alabama. There couldn't possibly be a young man that I root for stronger than him. Handled himself with incredible class and incredible dignity 99.9% of the time. I think there was like one interview where he said something where it just got to him a little bit too much. But this is a guy who only lost two football games as a starting quarterback at the University of Alabama, who everybody loved, his teammates loved him, who just exuded leadership. But he lost his job to Tua Tongo Vailoa. And he kind of had that redemption moment, that resurgent moment, that almost that Rudy moment when Tua struggled and was hurting in the SEC title game against Georgia. And Jalen Hurts came in and led them to what would be a college football playoff semifinal victory afterwards that they never would have gotten because they never would have gotten to that game without Hurts and his heroics late in that ball game against Georgia. And then, of course, Clemson beat them 44-16 in the national title game, and that was a Tua game. But I continue to be fascinated by what might happen with Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma because I still don't think it's going to go very well, comparatively so, because the expectations are going to be pretty high. He's going into a situation where Lincoln Riley... Everybody loves him. The NFL wanted him. He decided to stay at Oklahoma. They've been in the college football playoff for years. They're right around the top. They have not actually been able to taste the national championship as of yet, but it seems more a matter of when and not if, unless Lincoln Riley leaves school. 
And so on its face, if you want to go win a championship, Oklahoma would be a pretty good place to go. You're not going to Clemson if you're Jalen Hurts because you're certainly not going to unseat Trevor Lawrence. So you have to pick and choose. And Georgia's loaded down with quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts could have gone to Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin, who we got along with great when Lane was the OC at Alabama. But Jalen Hurts wants to go somewhere else. He wants to go somewhere with a little bit of a bigger name. And he's earned the right because he's already done everything academically. So he needs to go where he's going to be happy. But, and let me lay this out for you again. This is why this fascinates me so much. He's going to a school where the fans expect nothing less than either competing for or winning a national championship. And so Lincoln Riley, who is a brilliant play caller, who uses tempo about as well as you could possibly ever see this side of Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon, and I don't think it's going to duplicate that at UCLA. I told you before, I I didn't think that hire was a slam dunk. So far, it's not. But Lincoln Riley will tire the defenses out, and he just, he's relentless. He decides he's going to stay in Norman, not go to the NFL. And so Jalen Hurts is going to come to OU. He threw for 765 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, 73% completion percentage. Usually he was out there in mop-up duty against already beaten teams. Usually. Not always, but most of the time. In 2017, a full season, Jalen Hurts, 60% completion percentage. Not bad. 2,081 yards, 17 touchdowns, just one interception. He is pretty good at not turning the football over. Eight rushing touchdowns. And he averaged 5.6 yards toting the rock on the ground. Year before that, 2016, another full season, 63% completions. Again, pretty good. 2,780 yards, not bad. 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 13 rushing touchdowns, about eight yards per throw. So these are not bad numbers. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is not a good football player, not by any stretch. But at Alabama, with that offensive line that sends fleets of dudes to play on Sundays. OU's offensive line is good, but they're not Alabama's. Nobody is. But they have been in the college football playoff in back-to-back years. And in some ways, they feel like the team that just couldn't get over the hump because they were playing against Jordan or they were playing against Shaq and Kobe or they were playing against the Golden State Warriors when Durant was healthy. But... When you think about the numbers I just gave you, 2081 and 2780 and 765 in three seasons there for Hertz. If those existed within a vacuum, that would be fine, but they don't exist within a vacuum because there are other numbers that you just can't let go of. And that is this 2018 for Kyler Murray, a Heisman Trophy winning season, 69% completion percentage should be higher. It was well over 70 until they played Alabama in the semifinal. And then he tried to be, a hero, and he made a lot of great plays, but he had to throw the football a lot, and it brought his completion percentage down. He was only 51% on that day. But he averaged 11.6 yards per pass, 42 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 4,361 yards, and rushed for over 1,000, 12 more on the ground. That's 54 touchdowns combined for Kyler Murray that he accounted for for OU. Year before, Baker Mayfield won a Heisman, 2017, 705 completion percentage, 43 touchdowns, six interceptions, 4,627 yards. The year prior for Mayfield, 3,965 yards. The year prior to that, 3,700 yards. He threw for 2,315 in eight games at Texas Tech. 
So both of those seasons, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray each threw for more touchdown passes than Hurts did in two years starting combined at Alabama. Both are far more accurate. Not that Jalen Hurts is not accurate, but he's not consistently accurate. Which I guess means you're not really that accurate if you can't be accurate all the time. I can be accurate one out of six times. Murray had more rushing touchdowns than Hurts ever has in his best year. Neither of those guys turned it over very much. So Hurts in his best year threw for 2,780 yards. The quarterbacks that he's replacing threw for 4,300 and 4,600, 3,900 and 3,700 over the last four years. Now, here's my question for you. How much of those numbers that I just gave you are Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield being great, or how much of them are Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray being really good, but Lincoln Riley being the difference? We saw Jared Goff under Jeff Fisher. Then we saw Jared Goff with Sean McVay. Night and day, right? Personnel does matter on the sidelines as well as on the field. So if you are an OU fan and you're trying to sort of talk yourself into Jalen Hurts, then you should think he's a Heisman candidate because you should be backing Lincoln Riley, not necessarily the quarterback. Jalen Hurts is bigger than those two guys, stronger than those two guys, a better athlete than Mayfield. Murray's on a different level, I would say. But Hurts, you're going to be able to use him on the ground a lot more, and you're not going to want to throw the ball quite as much with Hurts because he's not as accurate as two of the most accurate passers in the history of college football that you just had if you're Lincoln Riley. But Lincoln Riley's all about these precise routes and these short routes and all of these things, and he throws the ball around a lot. And I can't imagine he's going to change his entire system to fit what Jalen Hurts does. And so I am so intrigued to see this. Because if Jalen Hurts goes to Oklahoma and loses three games, that's a failure in the eyes of the OU fan that wants to be in the college football playoff. The Big 12 is not a great football conference at this stage in the game. And you are replacing such high quality and good records as well that, look, it's not a shame to go 10-3, and three, but it will be at Oklahoma. So you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't care. But if he had gone to Maryland, where Mike Loxley is there, or if he had gone to Florida Atlantic, or if he had gone to Miami, where there were at least some ties to Alabama beforehand, there was a familiarity there, and familiarity does seem to matter. I honestly don't know how this is going to go. I am on record saying I don't think it will work. I hope it does. Not because I'm a big OU fan, but I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. And I would love to see him prove me dead wrong. And also, look, if Jalen Hurts goes out there and he throws for 3,500 yards this year, then I will be not just singing Lincoln Riley's praise, but I will be driving his bandwagon. I will be driving him around and pitching him to anyone who needs a great football coach. And I guess I could do that now because I already believe in him. But if he can take a guy that I know is not that adept as a passer, and how do I know that? Because he couldn't keep the job at Alabama because he couldn't throw the football. The national championship game against Georgia, not this year, but last year. I was there on the sidelines. He was ineffective. He could not throw the ball. They had to take him out and put Tua in in the second half because Tua actually offered the dual threat, which usually means you can run in addition to being able to pass. But in this case, it is he actually can pass. And yeah, he can run, but... 
He's going to stand there in the pocket tall, and he's going to wing it down the field. Jalen Hurts was not someone that you felt. What was it that the guy said in the Sando article from last year? You're not afraid of him when you play against him. When And they were talking about Mariota there, that he doesn't scare you as a passer. Well, Jalen Hurts didn't scare me as a passer. And you think about the talent that he had at wide receiver for those couple of years, and he still only had those yards. It's just because that's a flaw in his game. He's a great athlete, a wonderful football player, and a wonderful young man. But I don't know that he's a great quarterback because he can't throw the ball. So when you start thinking about storylines that are going to be talked about and scrutinized throughout this upcoming 2019 college football season, Jalen Hurts has to be near the top of the list because OU has been near the top of the standings for the past couple of years. And in the Big 12, it's going to come down to OU and Texas probably because Oklahoma State's going to do what they always do, which is lose something they shouldn't lose along the way. Maybe not be quite as good as they've been in this past handful of years under Mike Gundy. And it's going to be Jalen Hurts against Sam Ellinger. And let me make one other point about OU. Lincoln Riley said, yeah, I mean, if Jalen Hurts starts, as if that's not a foregone conclusion. Folks, Jalen Hurts is going to start. Now, if he doesn't finish the season, that's just because I'm right, and they've brought on, they do have another five-star quarterback there. So why do you say that about, well, if Jalen Hurts starts? You say it because you want recruits across the country to believe if we come to Oklahoma, we can play day one. If you don't give anybody a chance and you say, well, Jalen Hurts is a starter, doesn't matter if we have a five-star kid, then why would I want to go there if I believe supremely in my ability? If I'm a five-star kid, that probably means I've been told nothing but you are just the greatest ever for so long that I probably believe it. And, of course, these guys all have egos, and it's fragile. And so they aren't going to go somewhere where they don't have a chance to start. So it's a smart play by Oklahoma to do this. I don't think it was necessarily the best play for Jalen Hurts, unless he just wanted to go to Oklahoma and liked it there and likes the facilities and wants to be a part of the Sooners tradition. He's already done the Crimson Tide thing. And look, he's already won a national championship at Alabama as well. So he's not going there just to win another, I mean, just to win a title. Sure, he'd like to win another one. I'm not sure why he picked Oklahoma. I don't know if it's because of the challenge. He's trying to prove people wrong. I know he said that he is working hard to be a better passer, and some of the reports are he's showing it, that he started to show it towards the end of last season when he had to come in for Tua, and that he is a better passer, a more significantly better passer than he was at that point in time. I just have to see it because I've I've seen a lot of the opposite, and I saw Calvin Ridley not do what you would have expected Calvin Ridley to do from a numbers perspective, despite his outrageous talent and a lot of slot guys and good tight ends that didn't have the numbers they could have had. And they had good numbers. They would have had unbelievable numbers had they had a quarterback that could get them the ball more consistently. So I don't know if it's going to work with Jalen Hurts, but I am just super intrigued to find out. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So. On a Thursday evening here in the Music City, this is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Almost to the weekend. we got one more day. We're going to make it together. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. As always, we're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They'll help you get there, too. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. 
Renters Warehouse is the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. A week from tonight, on the 31st of July, I will be throwing out the first pitch for the Nashville Sounds. I'm sure that will be videotaped. Probably should get out and practice. Haven't thrown a baseball in a while. But I'm looking forward to that, and it's quite an honor to be asked to do that next Wednesday. So if you're out at the Sounds, you will see me throwing a baseball, hopefully effectively, hopefully just painting the corner and just drilling it. Hard knocks two weeks from yesterday. Premieres on HBO with the Oakland Raiders. Another thing that I'm interested in. So right now I'm telling you what is coming. There's not anything today that is interesting today. So I'm looking down the pike at what we're going to be paying attention to here in just a couple of weeks. And one of those things for sure is going to be hard knocks with the Oakland Raiders. And if you remember, I had Dave McGinnis on last summer, and I had him on for a different reason than usual. Obviously, you can talk ball with him forever. But I wanted to talk to him about his unique experiences of being a part of Hard Knocks and being a part of All or Nothing, which he did both with the Rams. Same season, as a matter of fact. And so he laid out that, and he talked about how you know people asked him whether or not, hey, should we do this after the fact? And he would say yes which was interesting because I wouldn't have thought that, and that's because I had not thought it all the way through. And as usual, he made me smarter just with me keeping my mouth closed and listening to him. Because what we forget, I think we need to measure our expectations. This is why I wanted to talk about this tonight. I think it's time to measure our expectations for what you're going to get from this. Is it going to be better than most hard knocks? I think probably so, as long as you don't think that it's going to be the greatest thing of all time, because it's not. If you like Hard Knocks, this is going to be a good year of Hard Knocks. But it's going to be very similar to what we've seen before, except that there are a few louder personalities in terms of the coach. But, I mean, we had the Jets before with Rex Ryan. So we've seen this kind of thing before. But you do have potentially a better GM on camera with Mike Mayock, who's more used to a camera as well. But the thing to keep in mind is, And this is what I think we all sort of forget when we're watching this because we think it's like hidden camera. I mean, there are cameras posted everywhere, but they have the right of refusal. Like, they can say, no, we don't want that to air. Or they can point up somewhere and the cameras get shut off. It's not like HBO just makes a decision what they run. First off, it's not HBO. It's the NFL. It's NFL Films. This is where it begins to start to make more sense as to why this happens. The NFL doesn't want to make the Raiders look terrible on television for five weeks. What do they gain out of that? They want their league to look as good as it can, so they want personalities and they want guys to pay attention to. And, yeah, they want a little volatility and a little bit of drama because it's good for business, but they don't want to. It's not like, look, I'm not saying this happens. As a matter of fact, I would say it does not. This is not Playmakers. Remember on Playmakers, that ESPN one-season series? as over the top as it gets, made the program look believable. You had the guy that was smoking crack out of the aluminum foil in the bathroom stall, like during a game or right before a game, stuff like that. It's not like they're trying to catch that. If that were going on, you would never see it because the team would say, nah, but the NFL probably would say, nah. They're not interested in that. They want it to look good. They want it to look compelling. Yes, it needs to be good television. And there will be things that are said that might be unfortunate. But here's one thing I would ask of you. You would have to think that in a league of as many people as are in the NFL, with differing backgrounds and different belief structures and all of this, 
you would think that if cameras were on all the time and you were going for gotcha material, that you would hear something racist or something very derogatory to some group and that that would immediately ignite a firestorm. Because if you had independent control, you would want to run that because that would just ramp up the ratings. But that never happens. There are a lot of things that are probably said that you would not want to be heard if you were a part of that team. And guess what? They probably just tell them point blank. Nope, you're not going to run that. So the Raiders with Gruden and Mayock, two guys who I still think are probably more known more for TV than anything at this stage. Gruden may be a little bit more balanced, but Mayock certainly is known more for what he's done on TV and radio than anything else he's ever done. Derek Carr, who is, I don't know, thin-skinned, might be one thing. He blocks people on Twitter who've never spoken to him before. I'm not one of them, but I know people that have been blocked by Derek Carr who have never addressed him before. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe he just has big hands like Homer Simpson in the episode where he put on all the weight and was wearing the moo-moo and had to actually order the special dialing wand to dial a phone because his fingers were too fat, and that's what the message told him when he just like hit the entire keypad. But I don't think so. Then you've got Antonio Brown. We're seeing him do drills with a brick in his hand where he's just reaching down and grabbing it without it hitting the ground over and over. He's impressive. We know this. We know how good he is. But he is another one of those guys. You've got Incognito on the team. We know he's a nut job. He's somebody that's he worried me a couple of years ago with a few of the stories. There's some things about him that are just real strange. I'm worried about his stability. You've got Vontez Perfect, who is basically, he's as close to a knucklehead as you're going to get in terms of somebody on a football field you just wouldn't want to tangle with because I don't know if he would care about your safety whatsoever based on some of the things we've seen him do on a field during an actual game in the past. There is so much on this team to sit there and look at and wonder how it's going to work. And if it does not work, if they have a bad training camp, how is this going to look? I would just say yes. I joked at the time that this is going to be the best drama of the year for HBO and Game of Thrones has maybe proven me right. Although I think Watchmen, if it's out before the end of the year, might have that title. Can't wait for that one, by the way. But, and I also said it might be the best comedy also, with all due respect to Barry. And maybe you could put Chernobyl in drama, but I put it in limited series. But truthfully... Hard Knocks is just going to be Hard Knocks. It's just going to be with people that you're a little bit more compelled by because you want to see what's going to happen next with them. As long as you go into it with the right attitude, you'll probably come out pretty satisfied. I generally like Hard Knocks every year. Even in the boring years, I generally know when I sit down and watch that hour, sure, that's good. It's going to be a pretty good show. Lee F. Schreiber's going to narrate it. It's going to be effective. I'm going to see some things. It'll work. And I think this Raiders deal will work too. I just think some people are expecting this Jerry Springer kind of tabloid, gotcha, Maury Povich, Montel Williams, Dr. Phil, candid camera all rolled into one thing, punked like Ashton Kutcher's going to show up on the field. That ain't going to happen. It's going to be measured. It's going to be controlled. You're going to see the Raiders go through training camp the way you've seen the Dolphins go through it, the way you've seen the Bengals go through it, the way that you've seen the Rams go through it. The way that you've seen Dallas and Baltimore and the Jets and the Ravens and everybody else that's done it, it's going to look a lot like that, except they're going to be wearing Oakland jerseys. Now, Gruden, 
has never met a camera he doesn't like. So that could provide more content than you usually get. I thought that the Jets year with Rex Ryan was one of my favorites. I think that's probably what you're going to get. Mayock will be interesting, but I don't think he's going to say anything particularly controversial. Certainly no one is. But at least he is more comfortable speaking. And maybe he'll do some more sit-downs. I thought John Dorsey did a pretty good job when they did the Chiefs a few years ago as well, or with the Browns, I guess, rather. But just make sure that as you're watching this thing, you're not expecting it to be the single greatest piece of sports television you've ever seen. Because it's not. First off, Ezra Edelman directed that. It was called OJ Made in America. It was a few years ago on HBO. 30 for 35, five-part series that won the Academy Award for Best Documentary and is still, I think, the best piece of content that ESPN has ever produced. So you're not getting that. You're going to get a decent television show that starts in a couple weeks. And we'll be talking about it. If there are things to talk about, and usually there are a few things, somebody will become a star that you're not, not expecting and there will be some intriguing things going on. But Antonio Brown will probably want to make himself a star. Gruden will be intriguing. He'll be interesting. He'll say some funny stuff. Uh, I would imagine that faux Gruden quotes will be all over it, and it'll be funny on Twitter. But I bet you this thing's going to end up being about a B- minus instead of an A+. plus. You might think it's going to be an A+, plus, but because the NFL is in charge of it and the Raiders don't want their entire circus to be revealed as such... I would say, slow your roll. It's not going to win an Emmy. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Happy Thursday to you. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. So last night on this show and on every show, once the news broke, we were talking about Taylor Lewan. And his four-game suspension, testing positive for Osterine. And the polygraph that he took, and I don't know whether or not that matters to you or not. I know that anything I said negative last night, and I don't think people actually listen to me. And I think it's important that you listen to the people that you're then going to go after. It's all right if you want to go after me if you disagree with my point. But don't say things and say or assume that I said things that I didn't. If you heard me, I said, I don't have enough information to say he's a cheater. Seems like there's negligence here. Did he test positive or not? I said, if we find out he didn't, okay. I don't expect that to happen, but I'm going to wait and see because I don't have enough information. And yet everybody else is coming after me last night, or a lot of people are coming after me on Twitter, and I'm sure coming after every other media personality that talked about this and didn't just full-throated believe Taylor Lewan. I'm saying I'm giving him a little bit of time because I just don't have the full story yet. But there was everybody that was just like, he's innocent, he didn't do it at all, you should practice what you preach, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Listen to yourselves. And let me ask you one question, then I'm going to move on to another Titan story because there's not anything new here right now. It still sucks. It's still bad for the Titans. I'm still on record. The Titans will not make the playoffs. This assured it for me. Three games of the first four on the road. All those games are going to be difficult anyway. And now a quarterback that has had a hard time taking hits and remaining on the field doesn't have his blind side protected by the highest paid guy at left tackle in the league. That's a problem. I'm sorry. But let me ask you this one question. All of you who 
went after any media personality that dared to say maybe that we need to look into this story. Maybe there's some validity here. Obviously there is because he's been suspended for four games, at least for right now. He's appealing. Maybe he will get away with that. And I don't mean get away with it like he's done something nefarious and gotten away with it. I mean, maybe he'll be able to pull this off. A lot of people can't. But just ask yourself, would you give him the benefit of the doubt if it was the exact same guy, but he played in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform or an Indianapolis Colts uniform or a Houston Texans uniform? See, it can't just be because it's your guy. And I'm sorry, I don't necessarily believe a lot of those who were so critical yesterday and wanted to just jump to his defense completely without any information to back that up. You can take him at his word if you would like, but you can't back that up on the facts as of right now because there's no fact other than him saying, hey, I didn't do this or I didn't knowingly do this. That's fine. Whatever. I'm willing to wait and see how it all goes, but I've still got to cover it and I've still got to give you my opinion. That's what I'm paid to do. Kevin Byard. This happened last night. Landon Collins was the highest paid safety in NFL history. That lasted for all of four months. Titans are going to sign Kevin Byard. He's now the highest paid safety in history of football. They extend him out five years, $70.5 million contract, $31 million in guarantees for Kevin Byard. They share the same agent, does Kevin Byard and Landon Collins. If I, if I was a DB, I might try to find David Mulligetta. Byard's kind of an amazing story. And I think that in many ways... It should be an inspiration and something we can all look at in our own lives. I don't know where you stand in the company you work for. I don't know where you stand in the hierarchy of where you would like to be in your life. But I can tell you, and this is no disrespect at all, and I know a lot of times when you say no, no disrespect, you're about to disrespect somebody. I'm not. I went to Western Kentucky, but Middle Tennessee is in that same boat. That's the reason why there is 90 miles of hate, mainly because... They're mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. Some things MT does better than WKU. Broadcasting happened to be one thing. I think WKU did superior to MT, but I'm a little biased. I admit that. But to go to MT and play football and be a third-round pick and then just show out the way Kevin Byard has, it's clear he had the talent. But he didn't have all those eyeballs on him. Now, you're going to get bound by a scout if you have talent. I get that. But it can be hard to stand out. And I've had this conversation with our own Blaine Bishop before, who, of course, went to Ball State. Because of the perceived, I played at Ball State, not at Ohio State, you're not going to have as many people paying attention to you, and they're automatically going to assume, because you're playing at a smaller school, that maybe you're not as good. You Oh, you couldn't play at USC. Whatever. And maybe that was true at the time. Maybe you weren't quite fast enough or whatever. So in order to stand out, you have to then turn around and learn things and really hit the grindstone. I mean, you've got to know the playbook. You've got to understand everything. You've got to be able to pick up on the nuances of what's across from you on that field every single time out. You've got to be smarter. You've got to work harder because you're already starting in some respects at a disadvantage. So when you see a Blaine Bishop have the kind of career that he had, and when you see a guy like Kevin Byard who is having the kind of career that Kevin Byard is having, it really it is inspirational. It means that it doesn't matter where you are today. 
you can get to the top of the mountain. Does that mean you can be the CEO at Goldman Sachs? Probably not. But you can make a healthy living there. If you are a bottom line, look, you can work in the mailroom and probably still find your way onto the banking floor at some at some level if you have enough talent and you work hard enough. That's the good thing about America. There is a, if you work hard enough, you're going to get somewhere. Now, I am old enough, and I've also listened to enough people over the past handful of years that have changed my perspective. I used to see the guy on the side of the road and say, yeah, McDonald's is hiring, pal. And now I don't feel that way. Now I feel blessed and privileged to have what I have, and I feel obligated to share that because it was never mine to begin with. And so I feel incredibly privileged to have the job that I do, and I know that I have some advantages that I was born with that others do not. And I see it a lot clearer today than I used to. But I just look at Ball State, and I look at Middle Tennessee, and I look at Western Kentucky, and I look at guys that come from small schools and end up playing in the NFL. I mean, think about Steve McNair and Alcorn State. And just, I marvel at what it took. The fortitude, the time, the focus, the effort, the drive that it took to make a Blaine Bishop, to make a Steve McNair to make a Kevin Byard. And so I root so hard for 31. I truly do. Because I know what he probably had to go through to get here. And he had all the talent in the world, and he gets here, and still you've got guys like Deion Sanders that act like they've never heard of him before. Because they haven't. And now he's the highest-paid safety in the history of the NFL. Blue Raider Kevin Byard. That's a story we can all get behind. That's a story that should make you want to go to work tomorrow and work just a little bit harder or to take a look at the dreams that maybe you've put on the shelf. And at least, look, I'm not saying quit your job and write the novel. I'm saying start writing the novel in your spare time if you have any. Write it an hour a night. What's it going to hurt? Do something better with your time. We spend so many hours each day looking at screens, looking at what other people think of themselves and of us and of the world. What if we just stopped and started thinking about what we thought about the world, talked about that amongst people in actual situations where you're using your voice and you're looking across and you're talking to other human beings and you just kept on reading. You could read about the world, but you don't have to read about it on social media. And you can go outside and experience the world instead of just looking at great photography. Like, There is a way to live life better, to live life fuller, to be more, to be different, to be, I would say, just feel more complete in some respects, at least in what it is that you are doing. And so I look at this and I'm just inspired by it. It makes me want to work harder at my job. It makes me want more, makes me. Never am I going to feel like I deserve more because what thank so thankful that I did not get what I deserved for who I was. And that means every human. Thanks to grace. Thanks to mercy. We have something else here, but it makes me want to strive for more. It wants me to maximize the blessings that I believe that I was gifted, the things that I was given. It makes me want to treat people better. It makes me want to get up a little bit earlier tomorrow and just live life and look at the world and go for it. 
And then you look at Kevin Byard. A total stud on this team. Showed up and showed out basically from the get-go. One of the best draft picks this franchise has had this decade without question. A local guy who loved it and came here and killed it. Third-round pick in 2016. In his second NFL year, he makes the Pro Bowl. First-team All-Pro. Led the league. Eight interceptions. Next year, four more picks to go with 90 tackles and eight passes. Defended. And so they took care of him. They're not going to let him hit free agency. He's going to be in Tennessee through 2022. And that takes him through his age 30. And so it's him and Kenny Vaccaro who earned his right to stay with the way that he played after he was acquired once Cyprian went down and once they had other problems last year. So they've actually got a safety tandem I think you can really get behind. This is a great decision by the Titans. You don't want this thing to go long. You want to show this guy, you know what? Your effort and what you've done and how you've conducted yourself and the way this team reacts to what you do and how Nashville feels about you, you deserve this. And he does. Congratulations to the Titans and congratulations to Kevin Byard. It's inspiring. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Down. Finishing up here on a Thursday night. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone, brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. You can always find me there. And look, you can say whatever you want as long as it's respectful. Steve Kerr. This is an interesting story. And at first when I read it, I'm like, whatever, Steve. But he actually has a point. Steve Kerr went on a podcast, Warriors Insider Podcast, and discussed the recent trend of superstar-level players in the NBA who are not actually free agents forcing trades to get out of contracts that they've signed. And he points directly to Anthony Davis to the L.A. Lakers. And he says, quote, where a guy is perfectly healthy and has a couple years left on his deal and says, I want to leave. That's a real problem that the league has to address and that the players have to be careful with. When you sign on that dotted line, you owe your effort and your play to that team, to that city, to the fans. And then it's completely your right to leave as a free agent. But if you sign the contract, then you should be bound to that contract. Sometimes I disagree with Steve Kerr. I don't like it when he decides he needs to wade into political matters, even though, look, he's free to say whatever he wants. He or he's probably right. We saw all of this craziness that happened with the free agent market and all this, but these are guys that had the opportunity to leave. He points then to LeBron James when he made his move to the Lakers and Kevin Durant when he went to Golden State and said, look, they played out their contract. They signed contracts, they played them out, and then they decided to move on, and that's how it should be done. And you know what's interesting? I'm going to take this in a place you're probably not expecting me to, and that's to WWE, or maybe you are expecting me to take it here. Recently, a lot of guys are trying to get out from under the employee of Vince McMahon because there's a new kid on the block, starts on TNT, first time TNT will have had wrestling on television in 18 years, October the 2nd, AEW All Elite Wrestling begins. 
And so a lot of folks would like to go work there. And one already does in John Moxley, who you may remember from WWE as Dean Ambrose. But there are a lot of other guys that are still in WWE that wanted to get out and went public about it or asked to go home and went home but still had time left on their deals. So even though you think, oh, well, WWE should just let them go. Why? They signed a contract. That's not how you're supposed to handle business. Ambrose was miserably unhappy. But you know what Dean Ambrose did? Dean Ambrose appeared on television and did all of what he was asked to do through his deal. They offered him a ridiculous amount of money to stay. And as I've heard it over the past few days, it's even more absurd than we originally thought. But he wasn't happy. And so he said no. He turned down a lot more money than he was going to be able to make with the new organization because he valued what he thought was going to make him happy. But he played out, if you will, that contract first. Durant, going to Golden State, as much as I wasn't a fan of it, he played out his contract and had the ability to leave. LeBron James, same deal. But when you think about Anthony Davis and Rich Paul and the way that that was orchestrated, that was clearly just forcing the hand of a team that he decided he didn't want to be at after signing and taking their money and saying, yeah, I will commit to you through this amount of time. And then he left. And I feel similarly about college coaches that just up and bounce for bigger jobs, but at least they have these large buyouts and things of that nature. It's still imperfect. I don't know how you're actually going to be able to fix it completely, but what Steve Kerr is lamenting here, he's not wrong. Quote, but it's a little disturbing that there has been some action that happens before contracts are up where teams are sort of held hostage and the league is sort of held hostage. I'm not a big fan of that. That's damaging for everybody. I will say without getting into any specific circumstances, trade demands are disheartening. They're disheartening to the team. They're disheartening to the community and don't serve the player well. The players care about their reputations just as much, and so that's an issue that needs to be addressed. And Adam Silver had said months back that he wishes that all this trade stuff had been done behind closed doors, and some of it was public. And the reason is because once it gets public, it becomes toxic, and then you can really start to wield your leverage if you're an Anthony Davis. It really does kind of feel filthy. It feels like the kind of negotiation where you need a shower afterwards or you just feel like you were part of a boiler room fire sale or something to that effect. So there has to be some middle ground here. I talked yesterday about them looking into, meaning the league, looking into free agents or guys that want to get out of deals talking amongst each other and tampering. There's no way that they can possibly adjudicate that. They can try. They can say, please don't do this. But they're never going to be able to prove that unless there's wiretaps that are forcibly put in everyone's sneakers at all times. But this, maybe you can do something about this. This Anthony Davis thing was gross. He was getting booed at home. That's a New Orleans market that loved him. And if he wanted to leave, fine. But he still had time left, and he was fully healthy. And they could barely put him on the floor. And he wasn't going to give full effort. And he had done everything he could. He even wore a that's all folks shirt at the last home game for the Pelicans. I'd never heard of Anthony Davis to be a bad guy. And guess what? I'm not saying he is a bad guy. I'm saying that that perception is out there now that he is a very selfish player that was not good to the market. Even if they didn't put enough around him, 
He was not good to them in the way that he handled them. He did not live up to his obligations. And that's exactly what Steve Kerr is saying. Without getting into specific circumstances, trade demands are disheartening. They're disheartening to the team. They're disheartening to the community and don't serve the player well. Exactly. It's not good for the reputation of an Anthony Davis for this to have gone the way it did. Maybe he doesn't care as long as he got to L.A. in the way that he wanted so that he can play with LeBron, make Rich Ball happy, make money, make movies, and hopefully win a championship. But I can understand what Steve Kerr is saying. At first, I read this headline and said, oh, Steve, you got to be kidding me. You know the roster you had? But they didn't do anything wrong to acquire that roster. They were just smart about how they operated. So I think Steve Kerr is exactly right here. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. See you tomorrow.